In the meantime, you can find us online at facebook.com slash okconnection, at Twitter, no, no Twitter, sorry. Fa- uh, I'm just going to restart the whole thing. It's time for another new episode of So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. And I'm Garrett. What are you laughing for? We're starting yet. Go today, ahead, yourself what? up two seconds into this show. <laughs> this is awful. I'm sorry. Today on the show, we're talking about the 2001 uh, crime heist thriller funny drama action movie Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Oh, I'm very excited. Are you? Yeah. Are you? I legitimately love this movie. Do you? Oh, yeah. Uh, directed by Steven Soderbergh, starring George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, Don Cheadle, Matt Damon. Uh, who else? You could just start naming people. Carl Elliot. Reiner, Elliot, Elliot Gould, Gould uh, Scott Gar- Kahn. Andy Garcia. Baby Affleck. Maybe Casey Affleck before he was anybody. Uh, Bernie Mac. Uh, that's all I got. Oh, okay. I was going to see if it could just keep going until eventually we ran out of people to start. Yeah. I think we named them all, I though. think we did name them all. We named a lot. Uh, we have the, the acrobat, but I don't know his no, name. No, we got the fam- the real famous people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven. To not, this is a different movie from the ones we've talked about. Yeah, this, this is the point. first, like, like we had Star Wars, which is fantasy and sci-fi, and then we had Ace Ventura, which is Ace Ventura, and now we have this, which is the first, like, uh, I don't want to, not, I get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it a smart movie. You're going to call it no, a smart yeah, movie? Yeah, nothing, not that, the, no, not that Star Wars wasn't, but, like, uh, it's, it's smartly written, it's dialogue-based, it's dialogue-heavy, it's not reliant on, like, a sci-fi thing or slapstick humor, it's dialogue-driven, it's plot-driven, and this is not really, um, not that Star Wars, again, not that Star Wars wasn't, but, like, this is so focused on that, of telling this story in the way that it does. No, yeah. I think it's a very fun movie. I mean, yeah, yeah it is very well-written, um... Very well directed, Steven Soderbergh. I've always admired Steven Soderbergh, and he does. Steven Soderbergh does a lot of heist movies, but he's the yeah. only one who actually does them justice. He does. He does them very well. Yeah. I, I, I Edgar Wright did a good one for Baby Driver. He did a good, good one for. Baby he did, and I'm but glad you done... said that because I'm. St- I was just about to say he did Logan Lucky, and I really enjoyed it, and I still think Logan Lucky's better than Baby Driver. I mean, uh, Logan Lucky. I love Logan Lucky, but I love Baby Driver a lot better. Well, that's not a sequel, so agree to disagree. Not yet. Not yet. Neither of them probably will so, be, but who knows? But who knows? But yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Good director. This is coming off he he won Best Director for Traffic. Traffic and then he also did Aaron Brockovich not too long did, before that. So he did it the same year. Yeah, so he I mean he was coming off uh big highs. Julia Roberts was coming off of a big high. I mean, all of these people, like, this is a remake of the 1960s one with, uh, you know, uh, Sammy Davis and Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, the Rat Pack, all of them. And this has been dubbed of that time, the modern day Rat Pack of George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, and Julia Roberts. They were all kind of lumped in there as, like, super Hollywood megastars. And well-deserved. Yeah. And this movie brought them all together and i think that they were from from a lot of the stuff that i've read they were trying to replicate that in this movie the 1960s movie was so name heavy 
that they were like, let's bring in these massive stars to pay homage in their own kind of a way. Well, to be honest with you, I I didn't even know an Ocean's Eleven until this Ocean's Eleven came out. So, I don't know. I'm not seeing the movie. It must not have been that memorable if we didn't remember it then. Well, so a lot of the things that I have read talk about how uh, George Clooney said the same thing whenever they were coming out with this. I found a uh, an article from, from Movie Phone, weirdly enough, where they asked George about it, and he was like, a lot of people said that it was such a good movie, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, have you ever seen it? And most people said no. Yeah, because they did, probably didn't know it existed. Yeah, and that's, there's also, I believe... This Rolling Stone article says the same thing, that when asked about stepping into Frank Sinatra's shoes to play the smooth-talking con man Danny Ocean, Clooney had said that he thinks the 1960s film is only beloved because of its legendary cast. And in the interview, he said, everybody will say, you know, oh, that's one of my favorite films. And he's like, have you ever seen it? Most people said no. (laughs) Here's what I will say about this Ocean's Eleven. I'm not in much of the regard of remakes, but I think if there's one remake they've actually done right, it's this. I think they've done it right very, very well. And I think they got it right right off the first bat. So that's my two cents on this remake. You've been quiet. Yeah. Y'all have been going? Yeah. Y'all have been chugging along. I had to take Didn't a, need but, me. I had to take a but, stop because <clears throat> my notes got all <clears throat> jacked up and I couldn't find what I was looking for. But I will say that Steven, <clears throat> Steven Soderbergh, I think, is like the master of the caper right now because he's directed all three oceans 11s um logan lucky and he even did a movie called out of sight which i think is one of his better movies and uh, if you haven't seen out of sight go see it it stars george clooney stars jennifer lopez stars don Cheadle, it stars steve zahn and it's a very very good script but um but anyway. I feel like that's the only time Steve Zahn's been a selling point. I mean, <laughs> what's wrong with Steve Zahn? Nothing's wrong with him, but would you go see it just because he's in it? Sure. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know what we're talking about. Why not? Out of sight for some reason. Maybe. He's in War for the Planet of the Apes, and I saw that. Yep. So. And Diary of a Whippy Kid. I. <laughs> and that thing you do. I and heard. that thing you do. And he's very good in that. He is very good in that. He's not in Ocean's Eleven, though. He is not. So let's bring it back to this. Do you want to? Okay. You want to go over the plot? All right. Are you asking me to go over the? Yeah, you're the normally. <laughs> you're normally the one that goes over the plot. Am I? You're yeah. Very, you're very good at this. Am I? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> so in Ocean's Eleven, we start out with uh, George Clooney as Danny Ocean. He is just getting out of prison, and the dude's immediately gonna gonna throw it all away, or so you would think. Because he's on, he's on probation, he can't leave the state, yada, yada, yada. But he's got a heist in mind. Uh-oh. So he goes, gets his new buddy, or his, his old buddy, uh, Rusty Ryan, played by Brad Pitt. They're going to go out and assemble a team of people to break in to uh, the th- three of the biggest casinos in Las Vegas. The Bellagio, the MGM Grand, and what's the third? Uh, uh, Caesars, I think. <laughs> Was it? I thought it was Caesars. See the Little Caesars? The Bellagio, the MGM Grand. I want to say it was Caesars. We have failed. The Mirage. The Mirage. Same thing. Close. So they want to try to break into the Bellagio. 
the Mirage, and the MGM Grand, they're all owned by the same one man. Terry Benedict. Terry Benedict. So they go to uh, Elliot Gould, who I don't remember his character's name, but they want him to help uh, support the 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 heist. Mm-hmm. He also has a bone to pick with Terry Benedict. George Clooney, or, uh, Danny Ocean has a bone to pick with Terry Benedict that we find out a little later when it's revealed that he has stolen his wife. Wow! Twist. So we go on an adventure to find these 11 people to, to do the heist, and we do it, and that's the plot. All right. What I really liked about this movie is there's so many people. I mean, in addition to the 11 guys that you have pulling the job, you got Julia Roberts, you got <clears throat> you got uh, Andy Garcia, yeah. and those are really the main two extras, but there are some other people involved in the movie. But they do such a good job of setting up all of these characters, giving you an idea of who they are, how they are, and, and what they're supposed to be. And, and I wrote down that I, I didn't really know what to call it, but I called it narrated montages, where Danny and Rusty are talking about you know who they want to get to pull these jobs. And they are describing them, and then you get a little taste of each character, and then they go back to describing, and you get a little taste of each, and it sets up each character really, really well. Yeah. And they do this throughout the movie where they have these narrated montage where they're going over the heist and what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And they show people doing it mm-hmm. as they narrate over it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really smart way to fit all of that in and advance the story. I forgot the most important part of the plot where Brad Pitt and George Clooney play uh, p- play a game, gamble a little bit with the real life Topher yeah. Grace and <laughs> Joshua Jackson. And Joshua Jackson, who are the and, only two characters to play themselves in the movie, and Holly Marie Gomes. There you go. I just was like, "That's Topher Grace," and then they called him Topher, and I went, "Wait," because <laughs> <laughs> when I saw Joshua Jackson and his name was Josh, I was like, "Okay, whatever." That's I take that, but Topher. Yeah. You got to be playing yourself, and sure enough, he was. I don't know why. I couldn't find anything as to why. No, I, there they were. I didn't know. I didn't know who Topher Grace was until like, till I saw him in that room. And I went, oh, that's that's the dude from that seventy. Eric show. Foreman. Yeah. Um. I, what I was most intrigued by in that, I couldn't. It was honestly distracting <laughs> because. Oh really? Well, I was like, okay, so in this universe, Topher Grace is Topher Grace, but there can't be a George Clooney because he's Danny Ocean. <laughs> So this is a weird alternate dimension where Topher Grace exists, but all of these A-list actors can't because they're playing another character. Fair. It is fair. I, I, I couldn't shake the thought. Unless it was a doppelganger. I don't think so. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> I really liked that scene because that that scene right there just immediately showcased how good Brad Pitt and George Clooney are as a team. Yeah. Like, that, the the... Very few words that were spoken between them, but the looks and the eye contact and the the, the nonverbal communication between those two was so spot on. It got me hyped. There was really good chemistry. I will say that between everybody. Like, um, <clears throat> what I thought was interesting was not just the casting, but also the casting decisions. Because I read somewhere that uh, for the twins who were played by Scott Scott Con and. Uh, Casey Affleck. I heard that part of the part of the casting included the Cohen brothers. Yes, they wanted to cast the Cohen brothers as those two. 
Coen Brothers were involved. There were a lot of people that were asked to, to join this. There was a lot of stutters right there. Uh, they were asked to join this movie and then dropped out. So in addition to the Coen Brothers, uh, Luke and Owen Wilson that would have been interesting. were considered for the Brothers slot. Uh, Johnny Depp was originally considered to be Linus. Uh, oh, uh, I'm glad that didn't happen. Yep. And then, let's see, who else? Uh, other people that dropped out of the movie include Mike Myers, Bruce Willis, Ewan McGregor, Alan Arkin, and Ralph Fiennes. And Rafe. 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 Rafe Fiennes. They all dropped out? Yep. Interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, it doesn't really say why, um, but one of the things that they tried to do for this movie in order to get such an ensemble cast was that a lot of them had to take salary cuts. Yeah. They couldn't necessarily, in order to for it to be, quote, an affordable budget. I mean, it was high enough as it is. It was right. like $85 million. Right, and it made a bunch of money. Yeah. But um, they that was one of the things that they tried to cut down on mm-hmm. was the money. And I think, I'm trying to find it. There's an article or in this uh, movie phone article that I referenced. <clears throat> uh, part of the challenge was to get the A-listers without their high salaries Mm -hmm. and at the time julia roberts was like earning 20 million dollars per movie and so george (laughs) sent her a script with a note that read i hear you i hear you're getting 20 a picture now and he attached a 20 dollar bill to the script (laughs) so those are just some of the the people that dropped out mark Wahlberg was also uh considered to play linus in the role of that would have been better than the Matt Damon? No, the oh. then the Depp. Yeah, I don't know. I was gonna say, I I I think that this movie casting wise did a great job. No, I think I, I agree. Like I think it's um I think they did a fantastic job with the cast because for one, the chemistry was just really good between everybody. I, you really couldn't go wrong with it. And and second of all, I don't have a second reason, but like. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a second reason. I don't have a second reason. It's just the chemistry was just that damn good. Like you couldn't you couldn't have picked anybody else to to fill those roles. Each person kind of brought their own thing to the character. Hmm? And Brad Pitt was it was his idea to have Rusty eat all of the time. Uh one of the a- things that we talked about was Don Cheadle's a British Cockney accent that didn't go over quite well, if you yeah. know what I'm saying. Oh, well, I didn't even dumb. notice Brad Pitt eating very much. Did you? No, he, he, in, every, in almost every scene he's in, he's eating something. I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah, yeah. like the um, first thing he's eating is like nachos, and his last thing he's eating is a cheeseburger. Interesting. But Don Cheadle... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, we you look at his dumb. I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know what Steven Soderbergh was thinking. I don't know what any of his castmates were thinking. <laughs> that that they let this grown man walk around with an accent that bad for a whole big bu- big budget movie and nobody stopped him is was where I'm like I got I question all of you. So <laughs> it's so bad. It's not good. I do wonder why nobody like I wonder why Soderbergh was not like dude. No. I wonder if they were like too far into production to say, all right, we'll just go with this and we'll no, see how it is. No, I refuse to accept that because on day one, first word out of his mouth to film his first scene, he should have been like, whoa, Don, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What are you doing with that voice? What are you, why are you doing that? What's wrong, Stephen? It's bad. 
No, it's not. It's bad, man. No, it's not. Just be Don Cheadle. No, I won't. A basher. I don't. Basher, yeah. Basher. Which is a great name for a demolitions guy. Great name for a demolitions guy. But it also feels like a, a Cockney stereotype, yeah. which is essentially what his character becomes when it's just all his, most of his jokes are the Americans not understanding what he says. Yeah. Just, so. He's this unfortunate character. Bonnie Rebel. I'm going to. Trouble. Gonna, Apparently going to reference this a lot, so we'll dump, we'll put it in the uh, in the description of this article. But this movie phone article talks about Don Cheadle also hates the accent. <laughs> uh, it says that he really he said that he really worked on the accent. He went to London, he spoke to people, and he thought he got to know it. But it turns out I couldn't get it. And he said before before making Ocean's Twelve, he said I wanted to change it, but my agent said no. So I'm stuck with this thing, and everyone laughs at me. Well, get a new agent. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that had he lost the accent, people would have been like, "What?" And then people would have moved on because if if you can change an entire character, such as Don Cheadle taking over in Iron Man, then like you can get past somebody not having an accent anymore. Oh yeah, I forgot he replaced. Nobody would have cared. No, yeah. no, they probably wouldn't have even remembered because of how bad it was. What did the other people bring? What did Clooney bring? Those are the only two just that his, I can really find. His smolder? Yeah. Those are the only two that I can really find as far as like characters that, that came in and brought something to their character. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Um, one of the one of my favorite things about this movie is the I don't it's not really like an emotional roller coaster, but it's a it's a there are so many twists that you mm-hmm. don't see coming. At least I didn't. And as an adult, you know, I kind of got, I knew it was coming, but they were still exciting revelations. So the first one is whenever we find out. What do out, you mean as an adult? Well, because I was like 11 when this movie Oh, came. but you saw it then? Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. This is by far one of my favorite movies growing up. Yeah. Um, But the first twist comes when we find out that Danny Ocean's wife is dating the target. That is... Nobody has been informed of this. At this point in time, we've gone over the plan. We know what's happening. Matt Damon's uh, character, Linus, is following Tess. Or she comes down the stairs and he's like, that's the best part of my day. Rusty immediately recognizes her and goes to Danny and is like, did you know that this was a thing? Mm -hmm. Tell me this is not the reason that we're hitting this. That's not entirely And then, yeah, uh, he's like, I mean, kind (laughs) of. So it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So twist number two is when Linus calls out Danny Ocean and is like, he gets benched. Danny Ocean's now benched from his heist because Matt Damon sold him out because he was following him at the behest of Rusty. And it was like, oh my goodness, what are they going to do? So Rusty sold him out. Right. And so... Triple twist. That was twist. Twist number three is whenever... Uh, or the next twist is when Danny Ocean shows up in the elevator. Yeah, and the the beating is yeah. happening, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" Even this guy's in on it, and Danny Ocean's getting beat up by this guy, but he's yeah. not getting beat up by the guy. And so there were so many different things. Oh like yeah, the twist of no money being in the bags, the tape of the robbery. Uh, the they were the SWAT team that infiltrated. Like they revealed this all so 
good that it was such a surprise and every and especially those three at the end because it's just like they're going over the robbery and then you see it and it's like oh my goodness everything was planned out like it was crazy and how how subtle everything became like there was a close-up shot of the like the car air freshener and then you realize car air freshener is actually the SWAT team that they have and I'm like oh they are the SWAT team and so you know uh, can I give props just a little bit to Brad Pitt's acting because he played several people and he I didn't know what he was doing up until the end especially when he was the SWAT dude I didn't know that was him yeah so my favorite Brad Pitt was the ATF agent yeah <laughs> who arrested John Cheadle yeah just, just find him will you that was my favorite that is true the uh, the true chameleons of this movie though were Scott Kahn and Casey Affleck they played so many people yeah. what a couple of jokers too oh they said their 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 dynamic was great their chemistry was great it was like actual brothers and I loved it so much mm-hmm. so I I wonder if since we said that they tried to get Owen and Luke Wilson and the Coen brothers did they not try to also get Ben Affleck did they That's not try to question. get Ben and well, Casey so here's because it looked like they were looking for real life brothers if yeah. they were going with those two sets. Is because I feel like that role Ben Affleck would have been overqualified for it because uh, because of his name. It's a very limited role, and they're, yeah, they're kind of featured as I mean, as much as they're important, they're not like standout stars mm-hmm. as far as like name recognition. Because I don't think Casey Affleck was much of anybody at the time. I don't know if anybody had heard of him, and then I don't know Scott Con was in what. Ready to Rumble, I think that was at the time. That, I mean, they, and it they, was like, what you started in the wrestling movie, right? They were both. I mean, they were both like, they were both like. Minor. I don't even know what you're talking about. You've never seen Ready to Rumble? Ready no. to Rumble? It's a wrestling movie. Uh, well, like, I got that from the time he said it. Yeah, thirty it's, seconds. It's ago. real bad. Yeah, but it's, it's very. It bad. sounds awful. But no, he was also. Does like, it have a sequel? They have no. No. Yeah. Uh, they. Okay, so like they were both. They both had very limited roles. Like up until then, like Casey Affleck was in Goodwill Hunting. I do know that. Mm. Um, I do know that Scott Kahn was in Gone in sixty Seconds, the remake of Gone in sixty Seconds. So they had something there, but yeah, it would have been an interesting choice had Ben Affleck got got cast in it. But I don't think they would have wanted that just because of how big he was at the time. Because he was Ben Affleck was a well known star. But they all are. Yeah. I mean, Matt could have got him. Matt could have got him. He probably could have got him. He could have got him for a for a lesser amount of money. Mm-hmm. He could be like, "Come on, Matt or yeah. Ben, come on, do it, do it with your little brother." There's there's one scene with the brothers though that I had that I questioned. There's not a lot of questions that I have for this movie, but the one that I had is that Terry Benedict makes a point at one point in time to say that in his hotels. Everyone is always wired. There's always somebody watching, which implies that there are cameras all over the place. Yeah. So there's a scene during the heist where the brothers are dressed as waiters and they go into the room where everybody's at and then they get the the acrobat who's going to be in the, the thing that they put into the vault. And as they exit the elevator, they show that the brothers had changed into like casino workers in the elevator Mm. rather than in the room so in theory if people are always watching in this hotel wouldn't they see these guys in these elevators going why are they what are are these waiters doing 
And why wouldn't they just change in the room? That was the one thing I saw because they made a point. And it comes up later in the movie that everybody's always watching when Tess sees Terry Benedict give up or say that he would rather give up Tess and get the money back. Hmm. So it's a, it's a point of the movie yeah. that someone is always watching in this hotel and you can't do anything yeah. without them seeing it. It's a plot hole I never saw. And so that was the one thing where I was like, <laughs> okay, if you're going to make that a, a point of the movie, how did they not get caught at but that then, point in time? But then again, they had that techno whiz who was like changing cameras. So maybe he That's changed true. the camera. They did, they did have true, that. and they had all kinds of camera tricks with the... The balloons yeah. in the in the game room at one point. So they're yeah. you know and when they switched the cameras onto the fake uh On the fake, robbery. fake vault. Yeah. So that could have been gamer tricks involved. That's true, they could have done that. So that that's fair. We can imply that they yeah. did. Uh I also wanted to talk about Carl Reiner. He was so great. He was great. He was the old school thief that they brought back into the game. But he himself, in my opinion, was also a big twist that they put into this movie mm-hmm. because he unbeknownst to us was being so method with what he had to do. And I remember watching this movie, seeing him like act like he was getting sick. And, and as they were getting closer, it looked like he was going to be a problem Yeah, because uh, he was going to like actually be sick and something happened. And it's and then right before it happens, he's like tries to stand up and he can't do it. And somebody comes in and is like, "Saul, are you okay?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm fine." So he gets up and he like psychs himself up in the mirror. And then it comes to fruition that that is he is supposed to faint and get the attention of everyone. And so the whole time he has been practicing that. And I was like, ah. Because they didn't reveal that part of the plan either. So okay. just the subtle reveals of all of these things is is so good. Yeah. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Mm-hmm. How about that Bernie Mac? How about that Bernie Mac? Right? He's pretty good. You mean Ramon? Yeah, Ramon. Not Frank. <laughs> Ramon. Not Frank. Was this one of, like... Was this one of the first real movies that Bernie Mac had done? I hadn't. I had never heard of Bernie Mac before this. Because I don't remember when the Bernie Mac show came out. So I, I know the same that, year was it the same year? Yeah. And I know that he was like a massive stand-up. So like he was a huge following in a stand-up. But I, I think this is my first remembrance of Bernie Mac mm-hmm. too. Uh, but yeah, he was great in it. He was smooth. He was yeah. suave. Uh, the one scene that I didn't fully understand was the car scene when they were buying the vans and he just held on to that guy's hand. He just hand. crushed the dude's hand. At first, I couldn't... Was that what he was doing? Because yeah. Well, yeah, he just he just held on and he just kept crushing it. Cause, and, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what he did. Because growing up, I had two thoughts. One, he was making him uncomfortable because he was just lingering and holding his hand, talking about moisturizing and how soft this guy's hands were. And then, I guess that was really what I thought was happening, but I see the crushing now. Yeah, I mean, like, he was just... Sitting there just crushing his hand until he finally gave in to whatever price he wanted. So, but no, uh, if <sighs> y'all covered everything I was going to say. Ah, oh, gotcha. Got him beat. I know. But, uh, no, really, I, overall, I just, I just thought this movie was just really fun. Like, was, and, it, and it still is really fun. Who you was know? your favorite piece of the puzzle? Who was your favorite ca- caper? Of, of them all, whose job was your favorite? Whose job was my favorite? Yeah. Oh, let me think about that for just a second. 
you think about it. Okay. I think mine was... Uh, I'm going to ask a follow-up question after this. But I really liked... I just really liked watching the uh, acrobat guy. Yeah. yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked watching him <laughs> fold himself into that pan. <laughs> and then when he did the flip from the from the can onto the other shelf. Yeah. Was crazy. The I, thought, I just thought that was such a weird, weirdly specific need. Yeah. Compared to the rest of them that I think he was my favorite. I'd have to go with Brad Pitt's character. Okay. I uh, Who was it? Rusty? Rusty. Ryan. I'd have to go with Rusty. Just because, you know, Rusty wasn't, he wasn't quirky. He was just, he did his job. But the other thing is, is that Rusty just, yeah, I mean, he, he was, he was just kind of everywhere and he, he just embodied everything. So if that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense, but no, if I had to, if I had to choose one, he definitely was the one that stood out. I think I like Saul. I like Carl Reiner, especially understanding now what he was doing and how method he was and, mm-hmm. And being able to to do that, I think he was my favorite. Follow up question: mm-hmm. If you if you were in this heist, what would your job be? It's all because <laughs> you're old. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> yes. Is that the job you would want? Yeah, because I think I could probably pull that off. Make fake, fake and sick and all that. Fake and sick and probably I don't know, maybe like just being a watch guy. I don't know. I, I couldn't do. I damn sure couldn't fit in one of those things. It, <laughs> it'd be like a sardine can. I don't think anyone could. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't come out of it. I'm, I, that, you might I'd, get me in there, but you I'd ain't live there. Me out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I damn sure ain't as suave and cool as as uh, George Clooney, so I couldn't be Danny Ocean. But no, I'd I'd probably either be Saul or oh hell, the electronics guy. Or, or whoever Elliot Gould's whoever Elliot Gould's character was, <laughs> he's the easiest one. He, yeah. he didn't really do anything. He's, he's the financial backup. Yeah, he's the financial backup. But like, no, I, I like the electronics dude. Yeah, I was thinking nobody, the electronics nobody, guy. Yeah, nobody ever talks about they, him. They, you, he goes over. Yeah, you. He does a lot of shit. He, he's he does. very good. He does a lot. Yeah. One of my favorite scenes is whenever he like the first time you think they're in trouble. Is whenever he's setting up the cameras and he forgets uh, his phone or whatever in the thing, and the casino boss sees him come out and is questioning him, kind of looks like whatever, and then he is following him and is like, "Hey, hey!" and the guy's like, "Oh no, 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 no!" And then he's just handing him his phone, but you think, "Oh my goodness, this is the first strike against them." That yeah. guy made me real nervous. Yeah, but it's probably who I would be. Mm. But he also, I just like his response. Hi. Fine, thanks. <laughs> I think I'd be Linus. Uh, I feel like I can adapt well and pretend to be things that I'm not. And once upon a time when I was a kid, I would go to the magic shop. And I remember specifically that they had a DVD about pickpocketing that I was 100% going to buy. And I, except I was a child and had no money. But I really, really wanted it. My parents would not buy it for me. What? They wouldn't buy you a video to teach you how to pickpocket? I know. I can't believe how it. How dare they? I can't believe it. Here's something that I here's something that I learned. This is not a joke. Like what if you don't ever want to be pickpocketed, if you're too afraid of something like that, you stick your wallet, this is not a joke, <laughs> down the front of your pants. <laughs> What in your, in, nobody, your pa- in your pants? Like in your pants. What if it falls down your pant leg? You make sure that it doesn't. Well, 
Well, easier said than done. But like, nobody is ever going to frisk you there. Uh, okay. Nobody's ever going to frisk you there. All right. Because what if po- you need to pay for a water? <laughs> you keep like some spare cash in your in your cu- in your pocket. Um, did Did you do this in London? Did you I put did. your wallet in your pants? No, I didn't. <laughs> Dang it! I don't necessarily believe. Him. I don't know about this. No. How would it not fall out of your pant leg? You have to wrap something up and <laughs> stick it right down the front. What you just wrap it in like what a towel? Yeah, and you just stick it in your pants, yeah. and, and have this a, doesn't look suspicious. And have a perpetual bulge. <laughs> just where <laughs> on your leg? Oh my god! Yeah, I don't know if, if putting your wallet in your pocket would uh, or in your pants would have prevented Matt Damon from doing his thing or not, but I guess that's a tip. A straight up punch to the <laughs> I face. <laughs> I don't know if I can recommend it. But no, what really what I did whenever I was over in London was just I always kept my wallet like like right in my in my breast pocket. Ah. And I just I made sure everything was zipped up and I there are people around there. One of the things I noticed was that there are always people around there who wanted to give you stuff. Like they wanted to pin something to you. And I refused a lot. Like they like because it was around Christmas time and they were trying to give you stuff and they were wanting donations and it's you can't unfortunately in this day and age you can't trust too many people no and that, that's a shame. Did you find the heist believable? To some degree, yes. To some degree, yes. I thought it was a little elaborate. It was. I thought it was a little elaborate, and I thought how they pulled it off was tricky, but. You know, I think they did it. I think if you probably could do it today, it's a strong possibility, maybe. Yeah. If, I, you, if you had enough people. I thought it was fairly believable. I uh, recently wrote a short play called The Heist for Tulsa's Hello Theater Company. You did? I did. Shameless plug. I did. And I researched some heists, some real life heists, to kind of get an idea of some, okay. of, the, some of the steps you go through, or security steps that are involved in, in mm. uh, protecting a vault. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought uh, it's they're pretty protected, you might imagine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to... I found it hard to write these uh, security barriers in a way that seemed believable, but also seemed fantastic enough to, mm-hmm. to break into in an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. So I thought they did a good job of that. The only thing I questioned, and I don't... This could be real. I hope it's not, because it seems like a bad idea. Why would all the would three of those casinos have the same vault? That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Well, they were all owned by the same thing, but yeah. I got that, but to connect them all just seems like you're asking. It it is literally putting all your eggs in one basket. That was the one part that I questioned is would they really, even if they were owned by the same people or person, put all their casino money in the same vault? Doesn't seem likely. But. So, going back to the heist itself in the vault, and I said I I don't have a lot of questions about this movie um but there was there was one that i didn't understand so the overall uh crux of the movie is that on a fight night that there were they had to keep 160 million dollars in cash in the vault and so they're they're showing the 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 feed to the people Uh and they see that they're leaving they say they're leaving half of the money in the center of the vault and they're gonna take 80 and they're going to leave the other half as hostage. Mm-hmm. And if you mess with it, they're going to blow it. And then they're going to blow the money that they have. Yeah. So in the in the real time scenario, whenever Terry Benedict goes into the vault, there's money all over the place. 
real money, mm-hmm. not the fake money. Um, my question is, did they only make it out with the 80 million that they had in those bags or did they get the full 160? Because I wasn't totally sure on that because in the vault, there was actual cash. Here's what I have But to they, in the van, they blew up like, uh, what do you say? It was like flyers for hookers or something like that. Yeah. So there was no money in there, but there was in the vault. Mm-hmm. Here's what I have to say about that is that <clears throat> given the time allotted, I wonder if they took like probably about maybe maybe $100,000 or so, maybe about $100,000, and they scattered it everywhere, and they kept the $160 million. Because I was under the impression that they got the 160. Million. That's what yeah, I was too I, until I've I always, saw the, all of the money, like the real money in the vault. Yeah. That's why I called it into question mm-hmm. because I wasn't sure. I guess they could have blown up like a smaller amount, but. I uh, I, I, I just assumed that they blew up a sol- smaller amount just so it would be believable. But, and uh, how much does 160 million like equal out 11 ways? Isn't it like. It's a lot. Let's do the math. It's like $16 million or something like that. 160 divided by 11. No. 14. 14.5. 14.5 million per person. <clears throat> so about $15 million per person. Pretty big chunk of change. That's a pretty big chunk of change. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if it was worth it. <clears throat> this is a fair question. And and I the the final question that I had for this movie was... When Tess goes back to Danny, he pulled off this heist. She was mad. She left him because he was a thief. Mm -hmm. Okay. Terry Benedict, while a dick, not a thief or a criminal or any overall like of a bad human being other than like he's a dick. Not not no, no, no. And then, so this whole movie... Daniel Ocean, technically the bad guy. I was thinking about that too. Technically the bad guy. You're rooting for him the whole time. He steals this man's money who's running his three successful businesses. Mm -hmm. Tess gets mad at him, rightly so, whenever he was like, I'd give up her for the money. That was a dick move. But then she goes back to the guy that she was mad at for lying to her about being a thief whenever he was like, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. And she like sees this whole thing as like a romantic gesture to her. I was like, what? Here's what I have to say to counter that. We know that Saul, or no, who was Elliot Gould's character? Was Ruben. Ruben. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Terry Benedict, who is Andy Garcia's character, Terry Benedict muscled out Ruben's casinos. The business. The business. That's, bo- that's business, boys. Mm-hmm. But he was, very, he was very bitter about it. So, that's number one. So we had, like, Danny Ocean was able to get the money to fund the heist. But also Terry Benedict was very good businessman, asshole of a person. You know, in the end, Julia Roberts's character went with somebody who was still true to their heart, who was Danny Ocean. He still stuck to his guns. I don't know. That didn't sell me on none of that. Okay. I will never be on the side of a big, filthy, rich asshole casino man that's fair period that's fair i get that but i see his point though i get it he's not the bad guy he's he's not i mean he's He's a bad guy he's a bad guy yeah but we are rooting for the bad guys i mean mean, that's that's a fun dynamic of the movie right that is the the centerpiece of a heist movie yeah there is no heist movie 
where you're rooting for the good guys. True. That well, is true. Well, then it couldn't exist. Yeah. Well, and also you have to you have to realize that Danny Ocean and pretty much the Eleven are all a bunch of antiheroes. Right. Because right. there's no there's no real one good guy here. I mean, there's a we have maybe a hero who is who is you know Danny Ocean, but he's really just an antihero. That's all he is. Right. So and Terry Benedict is just I don't know, just an asshole. I wanted to bring it back just real quick to some of the I had mentioned the dialogue in this movie and how I thought it was so good. Um, there's a part I wrote down some parts that I I really enjoyed um, when they're explaining the plan the first time to everyone. And they're they're making it so incredibly complicated, like all of the stuff that they have to overcome, all of the stuff they have to do in order to get into the vault. And so they're portraying it, and then Saul goes, so let's say we get <laughs> past the guards, through the the lasers, and is like just restating all of this stuff in a most like, you're serious. And he goes... So we're just supposed to walk out of there with cash without getting stopped? And they go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> and they just accept it. I will say Saul had the best lines in that movie. He was very good. <clears throat> um, another line that I had was a foreshadowing where, uh, I, I don't remember the context of it, but Danny Ocean says, if everything goes to plan, I'm not the one that's going to have to make that choice. And it was foreshadowing about Terry Benedict having to choose between Tess and then the money and then I think my favorite dialogue scene was between Danny and Tess at the dinner table where uh, Danny says I only lied about being a thief but I don't do any that, do that anymore and she said steal and he said lie she says do you know what your problem is and he goes I only have one and then he said to her does he make you laugh and she said he doesn't make me cry it's such a good Showing of an ex-wife and a and an ex-husband in this tumultuous kind of relationship, but there are still like feelings there. It was mm-hmm. it was just it, it really showcased some of the dialogue in this movie. I think one of the best pieces of dialogue in this, the best line I think <clears throat> of the many lines is when Saul is looking at all the money and he just says, "That is the sexiest thing I have ever seen." <laughs> Yeah, I like that part. <laughs> Do we have anything else? I don't think so. What's I the think we're done. What's the Rotten Tomato score? Oh, we got to play Yeah, we got to play our game. Who wants to go first? I will. I think it's, uh, I'm going to guess 87. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with 91. I want to give it such a high rating. I just, I just saw it, so I can't. So, oh, so you're out of the game. As I was trying to avoid it. So you said what, Andrew? I said 91. You said what? 87. It is, and play along if you're at home, 1, 2, 0 to 100. What do you think? Play along. And it is 82. Aha! Is what it got. So Josh got it by a little bit. Taking it uh, home. Very, in the game. Very balanced score. Uh, audience also said it was an 80% audience score at 80%. Cool. Don't care what they think. No. Uh, what about our personal rankings? And I have a fun one for this. What is it? So, on a scale of 1 to 11 <laughs> henchmen, how many would you rank it? 8. I give it a 9. Oh man, I was going I'm going to give it a full 11. This this movie, You're giving it the equivalent of 100%. For me, yeah. It wow. was I very much enjoy this movie. 
And uh, I remember now why. This is the first time I've seen it in a while. I remember why I own it. It's very, it's, it was very good. Very good film. Very good film. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode of So Many Sequels. We'll be back next time with Oceans 12. In the meantime, you can find us online at facebook.com slash okconnection or on Instagram at so many sequels pod you can find us i don't know how you're listening to this but if you're listening on soundcloud you can also find us on itunes and if you're listening on itunes you can also find us on soundcloud give us a rating and a review on soundcloud you can like give us a heart you can repost and all kinds of fun stuff to just to spread the word of our fun little show that we enjoy i really need to get this shirt back to ted nugent 